Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Hello and welcome to the Do Business Better podcast. I'm your host, Damian Mason. Today I've got a person that I've known since college, Jeff Cubitt. Jeff Cubitt is uh, an industrial engineer. He was an engineering student when we met at Purdue. He worked for Hughes Aircraft. He has a master's degree from Stanford. He worked as a, in a digital agency format. He's gonna to explain to you what that's all about. Had a consulting and digital agency company that he built up from scratch uh, and sold it. He's semi-retired now at age 50, so I'm thinking to myself, why don't I bring on somebody who has done what we talk about doing, that is build a successful business so much so that he could sell it by age 50. Now, he's not really retired. He's still delving into new things and figuring out what his next path is going to be, but he's done very well, and he's here to share business lessons that you can apply to your business, because that's what we strive to do here on the Do Business Better podcast. Jeff Cubitt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Damon. That's a lovely introduction. I'll give you a bit more background for your uh, listeners who may not, for example, understand what a digital agency is. So I ran a digital agency, as Damien mentioned, for the past 18 years and have recently retired. Um, so our business, uh, Isobar is the name of the business, uh, is about 650 people in the U.S., about 6,500 people globally. And we design and build websites and mobile applications and did digital marketing campaigns for companies like Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Morgan Chase. Lego, Adidas, General Motors, um, those sorts of things. Yeah, I think it's important the listeners say, well, wait a minute, I, I'm a web designer. I work in my spare bedroom doing that. Isobar took it to the next level times three, I'm thinking. If you've got companies like Nike and Enterprise Rent-A-Car that are your clients, you're not just a, uh, a person that can hang out at Starbucks and throw some graphics online, right? Yeah, we, we took on the biggest, most uh, strategic projects for our clients, uh, generally large uh, digital transformations where companies were trying to figure out how they could leverage the internet to uh, move their business forward and, and to differentiate themselves. And so these were tend to be, you know, big multi-million dollar, multi-year uh, relationships with these, with these clients. So uh, you're, you're doing that and you started Isobar when? Uh, now you now you've made it more complicated. Um, so <laughs> we, we started the business uh, originally called Round Arch in 2000. And then uh, that was founded originally by Deloitte and WPP in 2005, myself and, uh, and the management team, I led a management team buyout, we acquired the business uh, and, and then ran it uh, at a 40% compound annual growth rate for seven years, uh, right through the Great Recession, which is a heck of a trick, by the way, um, and then sold the business in 2012 and continued to run it uh, as part of a, an earn out and then uh, beyond um, for six years. And then uh, decided it was time to, to move on and do something else. So you are or were an employee until 2005. In, in essence, that's true, yeah. Yeah, and so here's the thing, because we got all, all manner of people say, listen to the Do Business Better podcast, solopreneur, entrepreneur, business owner, wannabe business owner, person that works in a company that just, uh, you know, is in a management capacity. So it's important to understand that entrepreneurial thinking is really about driving the business forward. You were driving Round Arch forward became, before it ever became your own, and then obviously took the reins and really made it roll. So how did things change at that point? And then I would say 
you know, also then I hit it again on the back end when we sold the business and, um, and I ceased to be the owner and was merely the, the chief executive officer. Um, and, and so hey, from a, go ahead. From a, from a, you know, to, to your question though, um, you know, there's a, there's a shift from being the, you know, someone who works for a business and people, you know, good people that work for companies have a sense of ownership for their business. Uh, but it's a different sense of ownership when it's, you know, your house on the line, your, you know, every, everything you own and you're accountable for everybody's um, uh, wherewithal and, and trying to help develop the, the people that work for you as well as try to keep the business afloat. Um, particularly, you know, when you're staring at the abyss that was the Great Recession, um, you know, that required some uh, effort and passion. And, and, and frankly, from our perspective, when I looked at it, I said, hey, the economy's collapsing. A lot of, a lot of companies, a lot of uh, uh, competitors to ours were going under. And I looked at it and said, hey, digital isn't going anywhere. There, there's, even with the economy down, we're small enough that there's enough growth in digital at our scale for us to go continue to grow this business aggressively. So I hired uh, some of the great people that, that were being let go from some of my competitors and kind of doubled down on digital because I felt there was enough, enough room to grow uh, even in a, in a down market, which is you know the short answer of how we managed to grow at a 40% compound annual growth rate during that period. Okay, and by the way, I, I think there's a couple things you touched on that anybody listening to this uh, Do Business Better podcast, uh, if you've ever run your own enterprise, if you ever commanded your own ship, piloted your own vessel, as we say, uh, you know the difference between being an employee and an employer or self-employed for that reg in that regard. And I also point out that, yeah, the, it's fine when people say, boy, I'm really worried about losing my job. I said, do you realize for 25 years, I've woke up in the morning and created my own job. Uh, this is just what the difference is. It's never been this thing of, well, I have a job. Well, I'm comfortable. Well, I, I've got security. I, I guess that that's never been that important to me, but also it's very telling when you're at a cocktail party or something, other folks say that. And then they say things like, well, you're lucky you're self-employed. You had 650 employees at one point just domestically, and yet you never really considered yourself self-employed or even the key to the thing because customers, paying clients are what drives everybody's business, yours, mine, and the next person's. Oh, there's no doubt about it. So, uh, you know, I, I always took an approach from a business, and I think this is an important philosophy. We were never trying to, you know, get as much money as we could out of a client and screw them over. And we, we were always trying to look out for the best client's interest and, and really do, you know, we had great employees that were really interested in doing great and interesting work for, for big big awesome companies and so we really tried to look out for our clients best interest in, in, in everything that we did and we really felt that hey if I'm doing what's, what's right by my client that's going to work out for me in the long run so I'm, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to pull one over on them I'm not trying to screw them over I'm not trying to take advantage of them I'm trying to do what's right for them and help them be successful because when 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 the individual client that I'm working for when we make this project be successful and when everyone in the, you know, at the board level was worried about all the money they committed to that initiative and then we deliver success on that, well, the guy that we're working for directly, he gets promoted. And the next time they say, hey, we need a couple million dollars to do a project with these, with these guys again, the, the board may say, hey, we wouldn't give these money, this money to anybody else, but you guys get stuff done. So we're giving you money. So again, success builds on itself. But you, if you're looking out for the interest of your client, that's, I mean, there's other ways to do it. I've, I, you know, I've heard plenty of stories of companies that, uh, 
you know, and competitors, even in, in, in existing clients um, that, that do it differently, that continue to fail and not succeed for the client. The client gives them more money and the project that was supposed to be nine months ends up being two years and they make a lot more money. And I guess there's a way to run a business that way. I, I, I just never understood how to do that. Well, that's what, is interesting about what you just described because uh, the, the folks that are, I don't know, that, that don't work in, bad, in business, they're not capitalist-minded people. Uh, they've got this idea that it's just this, uh, this entire situation. They've heard dog-eat-dog world, business is vicious, it's cutthroat. And I would say, no, not really. You know, I've kind of done okay for myself. I've got a winter home in Arizona and I, I – uh, came uh, from you know very little and I did it by serving my clients serving them well saving and investing and putting out a good product and making that product better each day uh, and I have a good relationship with my clients obviously many of them call me back for repeat business so I don't know that we could say that this is cutthroat or that we uh, have ingratiated ourselves by screwing over people and obviously that's not what this whole podcast is about anyhow what's a key advice that you say uh, you know you can boil it down you've got one big thing that you say Fortune favors the bold. You're not the first person to say that. Tell me about being bold. Well, I mean, the way I look at it is, um, you know, I think you should, you know, I, I, let me, I'll take it back to the great Wayne Gretzky quote, which is really a quote that uh, one of Wayne Gretzky's coaches once said to him. So he was out on the ice when he was a younger hockey player and the coach was talking to him later and said, Hey, why don't you take the shot? And he said, well, you know, I was worried I wasn't going to make it. There was, you know, it was a really hard shot. And his coach gave him a piece of advice that stuck with him. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And, and I think that's really a good way to think about it is, you know, if you don't, if you don't try, you're not going to succeed. So, you know, it, particularly in low risk situations, you know, don't be afraid to take a shot. And, and beyond that, I think it's important to have a bias towards action. So, I mean, you can, if you get it wrong, you can adjust course and learn. And, you know, even if you make a wrong decision, and maybe you'll learn from that experience as well, but you really want to avoid uh, analysis paralysis, which you know can happen um, fairly often. And you know, there, there's a one of my favorite quotes, which is probably a little bit too long to cover here, is a quote from often often attributed to Ghost. There's you know debate with as as with most quotes um, that that really is a little, little lengthy. I'll give you a piece of it. Uh, Whatever you can do or dream, you can begin it. Boldness has genius in it, power and magic in it. Begin it now. And really what, what, what that longer version of that quote covers and what the key thing is that when you start something, when you really commit yourself to something, then you know, the world sort of moves into place for you. So things that you couldn't have expected or anticipated could have happened start to happen once you start you know, committing and moving forward and taking action on something. But if you want to sit back and think of all the reasons why it's not going to work out and why you can't do it and why it's too risky, then you can, you can certainly convince yourself that it's not, not a good idea to do it. Oh, I go through this a lot, you know, and, and uh, you and I have both been there. The person that says they've got a normal job and they've got this idea, they're, they're not happy and they decide they want to start their own thing. And they've been, they've been ruminating on this uh, idea for years, weeks, months, whatever. And then they want to pick my brain or pick your brain. And I always say, for God's sakes, I don't like my brain being picked. It's just, you know, that's what the buzzards do to roadkill. Don't pick my brains out. So uh, then it's always this thing about this great idea. And there's been rumination and there's been discussion. And it's always, well, I'm thinking about thinking about it. And I say, well, how long are you going to think about that? I'm not, I'm not running here, uh, you know, uh, haphazardly just, you know, shooting, <laughs> shooting from the hip all the time. But there comes a time. 
And it's usually about 16 months sooner than most people think it is when it's time to pull the trigger. Get off your ass, pull the trigger, make it happen. You can contemplate and analyze and go through this whole analysis and analysis and you will never do anything. So I agree with you. I just had a person on the podcast the other day talk to me about fail fast. <laughs> uh, and this is from a big corporate situation. Yeah. I was really actually impressed by it from a large organization. This was a VP and he was all about, well, we just got to continue to push out new things and uh, fail fast. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I, I find that one an interesting one and, and I buy into that. Well, I'd like to say fail, fail early and learn from it. Right. And there's a lot of, uh, certainly in the digital space, there's a lot of businesses that will come out with something and then they'll see how people respond to it. And if there's an audience for it, there's a market for it and it's going well, then they'll put more investment in it and they'll tweak it and adjust it and they'll understand what parts people are using, what parts that aren't. I've seen clients get really obsessed with this big set of features that they want to have and something that they're creating. And you just can't go live without all these features. And in, at some point in time you say, hey, it's good enough. Let's find out whether anyone wants this damn thing. You know, Let's not spend a bunch of time polishing the diamond if nobody's interested. And once yeah, that's, people, that's, people really use it, then we can make adjustments. I have a, I have a section about that in my book uh, about uh, perfection is actually, per, per, perfection can drive you crazy. It doesn't necessarily drive revenue, but it'll drive you crazy. If you are always just saying, well, we're not quite ready yet, we're not quite ready yet. That's the, you know, the guy that lived down the road from me at one of my houses in the country, uh, the, the place was never sighted. And it turns out, I think it's because he was a perfectionist. And you're like, what the hell are you talking about? What perfectionist would live in an unsighted house? Well, I think he was convinced he couldn't do it until it could be done perfectly. And they, they talk about that if you read these, yeah. uh, these analysis people. What advice? Yeah, one, one thing that's, uh, that, that I think is interesting with this, because I, I, you know, I don't like to fail at anything. So, so that's, it. That, that, that's one of those things I always find hard advice. So I'll, again, like I said, I'll say fail early and learn from it. But then I also like to say, but really refuse to fail and again it's a different concept so you know you want to be when you're doing something you want to be tenacious about it you want to be creative and and you have to just flat up refuse to fail and in the way you know in the business i ran there were 10 ways to fail on a project for every one way to succeed so there's there's constantly people saying oh we can't do it because of this we can't you know, the clients being too difficult they didn't deliver the things they were supposed to do it's harder than we thought it was, blah, 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 blah. There's always reasons to fail. And at, at the end of the day, you just need to find a way to succeed. You just need to find a way to push through, be creative, and frankly, redefine the problem. Redefine what success looks like if you need to, but don't fail. Don't, don't get in a downward spiral of failure and continuing to drag on failing and failing and failing. You want to you wanna find a way to get to success. Again, even if you need to re reset your expectations, redefine what success is and deliver success. And, and, and from a business standpoint, that goes a long way for securing funding. Hey, you've demonstrated that you can deliver something successfully versus again, you know, if you looked at it and said, boy, it's not as perfect as it could be. It doesn't have all the things that we, that we originally thought we were going to do and you never go live. And, and now you've got a failure on your hands versus if you can redefine the, the scope of what success looks like, you can actually deliver some success and value and get some momentum and get some energy going. Yeah, it's easy to say fail fast, especially for instance, this VP of this corporation, uh, he doesn't have any of his money uh, <laughs> at risk. It's not his company, he's a yeah. VP, he's an employee. Uh, you and I uh, have been on our own and, and we say, well, fail fast, I'm not sure that's really what I wanna do. I'd like to not fail also. However, I'm not afraid 
of stubbing my toe. So maybe what you just said is the better thing. I, I think these folks that just never want to push out anything, they think that it's just going to be catastrophic. It's like, how cataclysmic do you think this is going to be? What, you're going to launch some damn thing and it's going to not quite be right. What do you think is going to happen? You, you know, I've been on the, on the edge. I've had all of every nickel every day of my life, every, uh, you know, every ounce of my energy is going toward my objective. My money is all in, but I don't ever think, oh, I'm going to lose it all by trying something new. And that's really what you're talking about there. Yeah, well, I mean, it, and, and you see that in lots of other ways. I mean, the, the uh, no plan survives contact with the enemy. I mean, I mean, that's a pretty common one. And, what, and, and it's the same idea. And this is where, again, I, th I think that the fail early stuff is, is really about don't over plan. Do enough planning. It's important to plan to have, you know, to, to think critically about the problem, but then go out and get going. Because once you get going, no matter how intricate your plan is, stuff's going to happen and you're going to have to adjust to it. So if you, you, you need to get out there and get going and learn from it, because you'll, you could have wasted your time planning out a whole bunch of stuff that never matters because the, the thing that was really important was the thing you, that you didn't recognize was important. But once you get out there in the marketplace and start to see that, and get that feedback from people who are actual customers and actually want to want to pay money for whatever it is that you're trying to move. That that's really where you learn the lessons about what's important. Well, we're going all over the place here. My friend and my guest is Jeff Cubit, and we're talking about how to do business better based on his background as a business owner who has actually uh, divested, sold out, not even divested, sold out now, and is in a different capacity trying to figure out his next venture. Still do a little consulting on the side. And by the way, we've done a, several quotes, more quotes than I remember in any episode that I've done up till now. I'm since quite a quoter. Since we're doing our quotables. And you talked about planning. I make this point all the time. I've never had a business plan. I don't believe in formal business plans. And it's not to say that I'm just out here running around, uh, you know, willy nilly. It means that a formal business plan, typing up what you think is going to happen and what you're going to do about it seven years from now is ridiculous in this age of change. But it's ridiculous even before now. I didn't need Uber to convince me that a seven year plan was ridiculous. So going with the quotable, Mike Tyson, <laughs> what's his old quote? Everybody has a plan until you punch them in the face. And so yeah. if you think the marketplace won't punch you in the face, go ahead and have your plan. But trust you, trust me, trust Jeff Cubit. Uh, the marketplace is going to punch you in the face. Goals. I set goals. You don't really set goals. Tell our listeners about your view on goals. Well, I, I, I would say I do, but. Um, so I, it's, I, I'm not as you're, – you're much more aligned with this sort of classical – set a goal, break down all the elements to achieve your goal. And that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And that works really well. The thing that, that, that I think about, which is really more aligned with what you were just, just saying uh, is that, you know, things are going to change. And so to the extent that you lock yourself in on trying to achieve your goal, let me, let me give you a, for instance, uh, my senior year in college, the first web browser that was able to access the World Wide web came, came out on the market. Um, it became publicly available. It was probably two or three years before anybody knew about it, by the way. Right. So, so we're talking about coming out of college, 1991 or two, right? Yeah. So if I'm coming out of college and I said, I'm going to do whatever with my career and I was locked and loaded on that, I would have missed the entire career I ended up having. I spent the past eight years in a digital agency, a business that no one could have conceived of when I was in college. So if I'd have been on some plan to go you know, I might have been on a plan to be in a publishing business that doesn't exist anymore. You know, you want to be a newspaper publisher? Sure, good luck with that. 
Um, so I think it's important to have, you know, for the same things we're talking about, it's important to think critically about what you want to accomplish. But from my perspective, I think it's more important to have a directional vision of where you're trying to go and know why you're trying to go there and then surf the wave. I mean, you need to, you need to see what, what happens and respond to it and, and see, Hey, there's an opportunity. Things aren't playing out the way I, th I started going this direction. And then things are playing a little differently than I thought they were going to. I need to adapt and adjust. And, and I, there's, I see a new wave here. I'm taking that one. And had I not done that, I, you know, there's, there's no way you get from being an industrial engineer working at uh, Hughes Space and Communications, uh, part of Hughes Aircraft Company, to running a digital agency. Um, that doesn't, those aren't, aren't, that isn't a natural path. But again, it's, it's, it's about learning and growing and following, you know, having an idea where you want to head, but being adaptable. Well, I love this because this is something that the person listening to our podcast saying, wait a minute, this isn't what I normally hear. I mean, I, I used to hear the conventional wisdom. Well, you got to go and do this and you got to get all your, no, no, not really. You don't need a business plan. Uh, you, you know, no, you really don't need to have this locked in. In fact, things are going to be so different one year from now. So what do people need to know? The business person listening to this podcast, what are you going to tell them, Jeff? What should they know? Be adaptable. Well, be adaptable. Yeah. Keep learning. Stay yeah. Well, I things. I, I'd say, you know, definitely embrace change. Be I mean, bold. Um, yeah, <laughs> definitely. You know, fortune favors the bold. I think you have to embrace change. Don't get too comfortable. Um, you know, continuing to learn is the only real job security, I, I like to say. Uh, and, you know, one thing to keep in mind is the pace of technological change, and there's been a lot of research on this, is currently changing faster than society's ability to adapt. So you mentioned Uber. I think we've all heard about all the strife in in cities that are trying to come up with the legislation for uber now we have those little scooter things like the lime and bird scooters showing up and cities they're all over the place cities are like crap what, what are the laws for those so it's it's getting harder and harder for people to keep up so you you need to embrace change you you can't you can't get too locked in on what it is that you're doing and what your plan is because the whole world's going to change around you and and it's and it's the pace of change is speeding up so more than ever in history um, it used to be, you know, thing, technology didn't change much for maybe a, the better part of a career. You know, now things change. You know, the iPhone's 10 years old. Come on. I mean, <laughs> think about how, how, how and, and there were no other real smartphones. Think of how much that's changed your life, you know. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's moving fast. All right. I might be 11 years old now. I, I promise our listeners I won't wear them out. You'll come back on another episode. You'll be a friend of the show, recurring guest, won't you? I, I'd be happy to, Damien. And then if anybody for some reason wants to further discussion with you, how do they reach you? Hmm, that is an excellent question. Uh, I'm, <laughs> uh, they could email me at uh, gcubit at gmail.com. Gcubit, G-C-U-B-I-T-T at gmail.com. Thanks for being a guest. You're a friend of the show. Until oh, you know, Damien, one other thing I, I, might, uh, I might suggest while I'm at it is they could check out my, uh, my blog, uh, Avalanche of Cognition, where I write on... Uh, Politics, policy, life, and uh, digital. That's actually what I was hoping you would tout. Yes, Avalanche of Cognition. And they can find that by Googling Avalanche of Cognition. Am I right? That's correct. All right. Jeff Cube, it's been my guest. You have been my listener to the podcast we call Do Business Better. And our goal is to help you do just that. Till next time. <laughs>